You're listening to the Bulldog Hour, getting you inside the Wilson football program with weekly game previews, recaps, highlights, and interviews. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Raffoff. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Bulldog Hour. We're here with our Season 5 premiere. I know maybe it seems a little bit early that it's, well, it's only February, but obviously football never stops around these parts, especially on shows that Justin and I do. We pretty much have converted our regular sports show almost entirely to uh, football, mostly pro, a little bit of college, and uh, now we get to talk high school on the Bulldog Hour. It's crazy to me, though, Justin, that we are already starting our fifth season covering the Bulldogs and uh, resurrecting the Bulldog Hour. Um, but looking forward to it. Ooh, look, a junk call. That's always fun. I love those those spam calls that, that come through. Um, but, yeah, so what do you think? Fifth season of the Bulldog Hour? Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Um, I We were just talking about something else on air, and I was like – or not on air, before the show. And I was like, man, that doesn't seem like it was that long ago. And then – you just throw that out there. That certainly doesn't seem like that long ago. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, you know. we didn't debut the reboot until the end of August, 2015. So like we were even at a complete four years there, but we've been starting the show a little bit earlier and earlier each year just because, well, there's stuff to cover and we have a huge um, schedule tonight. So we might as well, why wait until June or July when there's people out there that are interested in Wilson football year round? Yeah. So, um, let's see. Up first this evening, we got a, a big, a lot to uh, to run through. So we will start with some, you know, kind of some standard house cleaning stuff that we like to do um, here and there. Um, so up first, we just want to again, we want to make sure that we thank our show sponsors that help us out in so many ways throughout the year. Uh, May Sandwich Shop. Matt Cruz and Andy Herb helped us out in the past, and we have a, a handful of anonymous donors that don't want their names out there, but we appreciate what they've done for us nonetheless. And uh, we uh, look forward to having another strong and successful season of the Bulldog Hour and the Wilson Football Program, who we'll talk about it a little bit later, will be celebrating their 75th season this fall. And if you would like to help us out, help the show, there's many ways that you can do that, a few of which are sponsorships and advertising, which a few have taken advantage of in the past. We do accept donations. You can visit the website. And then Justin's favorite, spreading the word. Like and share. Yep. Just get our names out there anytime you're on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever you can think of. Whenever you see us post something, you know, retweet it, share it, like it, just uh kind of uh, organically spread what's going on with the show here so that more in the Westlawn community and uh, Wilson alums figure out that we've been doing this and uh, what we have to offer in the offseason and during the season. We will have another live show in about two months. We're scheduling it for Sunday, April 28th. We will have, a, you know, our spring update will go on at that time. We'll have some f- more information to share as the months go on and we'll see what happens over the next, you know, 60 days or so related to Wilson football. We're going to talk about a few things this evening that may be finalized by the time the next show rolls around. But like I said, we always have plenty to talk about. 
about the Bulldogs and the entire program. And we'll do that again in about two months. A couple of fundraiser holders that we talked about last year. The DVD game sales also available on USB drive are ongoing. As are the jersey sales. Also have a large allotment of old game used jerseys available. Now not number not every number was made available and some have been sold. So I don't have everything from all these years listed, but I do have a lot. So if you're interested in grabbing one of these, uh hit me up uh via email wilsonbulldogsfootball at gmail.com or uh, find any of our social media platforms. So I think that covers the majority of some of the, the house cleaning stuff. So let's uh, see what's next on the docket for us here. Um, okay, we're going to go right to our postseason award winners. We're going to recap the banquet that happened in December. And, uh, you know, it was a good time at the Inn at Reading again. It was nice to uh, celebrate the team and what they were able to accomplish in 2018. Obviously, the big part of the event is the senior jackets get handed out to uh, the players that have put so much time and effort over the last uh, few years towards the program. That's always the highlight, especially when the parents get to uh, hand those out. And then also the uh, awards given out to uh, players. And here you can take a look at the seniors after they got their jackets. Great group of guys there. It was fun watching them the last few years and coaching them a few years ago. Um, very, very fun. And, uh, let's see, here's some of the, uh, some of the award winners from the banquet, uh, up on your screen now. And I believe I do have a list of them somewhere. So, um, well, I'm going to keep looking for that. And, uh, yeah, here's. So here is some of the uh, postseason awards that were uh, given out. And that's just Elijah and Nate, some of the big ones that came across. Um, we had two people make the All-State team in Elijah and uh, Isaiah Gilmore. So congratulations to them. Huge honors. And uh, I'm, I know I have this list somewhere, so let me find that. Yeah, I know um, the banquet was was uh... – you know, success. It is a good time uh, for the the team and you know the families and everyone to kind of be able to get together and um, you know kind of celebrate what what not just a year but usually years and years of hard work have kind of uh, culminated in. So um, it, it's nice to see uh, some of those guys because some of them you know are going on and and hope to play you know at at the next level, um, but there's also guys who you know may be done and that, and that's. You know they've played their last organized football, and um, it, it's it's kind of an, an interesting point for all of those guys. But it, it's uh, it can be fun to kind of recognize the accomplishments that they've made so far. Yeah, and um, the two pictured there, Elijah and Nate, were um, the big postseason guys. They got a lot of accolades. Elijah with first team All State, first team All Burks, first team All LL, and the offensive back of the year in the Lancaster Lebanon League. That was all for his contributions as a running back. And then junior offensive and defensive lineman Nate Keller was first team all Burks defensive line, first team all LA offensive guard, second team all Burks offensive guard, and second team all L defensive end. So both Burks and Lancaster Lebanon League were uh, high on the efforts of junior Nate Keller this past year. 
Um, one of the other big ones I mentioned already, Isaiah Gilmore, first team All-State defensive back. Same thing for All-Burks and All-L for his defensive back play. He was also the defensive back of the year in the Lancaster Lebanon League, and he made the second team as a wide receiver. So Gilmore, Morales, and Keller were big winners as well, but they're not the only ones. We also had some high praise for Cameron Magalotti, uh, Mike Klein, Brady Gibble, Troy Corson, Jack Wagner, and then some honorable mentions in Anthony Futrick, Adam Venino, Greg Smith, Nate Hoekstra, and Caleb Brown. So again, um, a lot of these guys also were given awards at the banquet. Uh, you saw some of them just a few minutes ago. Uh, some of the big ones were Elijah Morales was the Offensive Player of the Year. Um, Isaiah Gilmore won the Ger- Gersky Award. And uh, I believe Nate Keller was named Defensive Player of the Year. And I'll pull up those pictures for you once again. Um and the one in the middle is Isaiah Gilmore receiving the Wilson Football Tradition Club award for this year. And there were plenty of other awards given out. Uh, Coach Dom sent out a list of all the award winners to the Wilson Football Tradition Club uh, email listserv. He sent out that newsletter. So if you're not a member of the Tradition Club, be sure to join this year so you can get uh, weekly updates from Coach Dom during the year. And uh, a few every few months, you'll get them in the offseason as well, as including the list of players who were uh, award winners and it's always nice to uh see those uh individuals get recognized after being team first guys you know for you know three four months from august through early november it's nice to see them finally be able to receive that those those personal items that they kind of cast aside until uh till the games are over well yeah and like i you know i immediately flash back i think it was well I feel like it was the Mifflin game, but I'm not 100% sure because that was a crazy night. So it, it very well may not have been that night. <laughs> that was a crazy night. Um, and we were just talking about that last week too. But um, after one of the early games where Elijah had um, just some ridiculous numbers. Um, and so I, I feel like it was Mifflin, but it, it might have been the next week. I, I don't really remember. But um, I remember we asked him, you know, kind of, and he just gave us the line we joke about all the, not joke, but like we kind of bring up all the time. Um, just, you know, had to wait my turn, you know, work hard. And, you know, now I got my chance and I'm going to give it everything I've got. And he certainly did that this year. Uh, well last year and had, had a great season. Um, you know, and, but yeah, like he going into the season and looking back, nobody, on the team or that like knew the team was like really surprised by what Elijah was able to do. But I think people outside were kind of caught off guard a little yeah. bit. And um, that seems to happen every year with, with a position. We talk about that a lot, um, you know, but sometimes it's even more, you know, kind of off the radar, but you know, Elijah, I think a lot of people on the team and around the team knew because of the talent that was there, but to be, see a guy who was able to put in that work and kind of, you know, I don't want to say stuck, but when, when you have Iggy, right. you know, ahead of you, like that's not, there's not, that didn't need not, a break all that about, often. Right. And it's nothing about you. It's just the other guy is just kind of there. So, yeah. um, you know, Elijah got his chance and he certainly uh, seized that, that opportunity. Yeah. I had that same conversation with, uh, linebackers coach, Matt Bender 
about a month and a half ago, I sat down talking to him about some uniform stuff and, and, and helmets and 75th season things coming up. And we talked about Elijah a little bit, mostly because that's his helmet above my shoulder there in, in the case. <laughs> uh, but we were just chatting about how, you know, what a great season he had. And like, it wasn't a surprise so much to the people that were in the know, but you know, the general public and people that came, they probably didn't even know his name before the season started. Right. And he, all state, he was named to the all state team. Right. So, um, I got to coach him at West a few years ago and we knew what he could do. Uh, him and Isaiah Gilmore were our two running backs at right. West a few years ago. And we got flashes of it in, in those spells of relief or you know, some like two years ago, but you know, yeah, I, I think to the people who, you know, show up, you know, the five home games every year and stuff like that. Um, I think it was a bit of a surprise, but again, those that, that knew the work that was put in knew like the speed that Elijah had and, and things like that certainly could see it coming, but that doesn't necessarily mean it always translates. Um, and it was, it was awesome to see him have a great season. Oh yeah, for sure. So, uh, great season from so many players, both upperclassmen and underclassmen. And it was a, a joy to cover them and watch them this year. Uh, congratulations once again to everyone that got the individual awards uh, at the banquet or um, from the variety of sections, league conferences, uh, and, and, and state. Um, huge, huge honor and great to see that both of them did that. And, uh, well, I know at least one of them is going to be continuing to play football in the future and we actually have a little bit of coverage of national signing day this year it took place uh, i believe it's the first wednesday in february and i went up to the event and actually streamed it on the uh, wilson pages so that people could watch and uh we had a few football players continuing on not all of them to play football but we'll uh we'll let the world know what they're doing so uh there was a, a good amount of Wilson student athletes represented that were moving on to play uh, collegiate sports. And here on the first page, we have two that are um, not playing football at the next level, but have contributed to the football team over the past few years in Cameron Magalotti and Joey Fox, both playing lacrosse in college at uh, Holy Cross and Gettysburg. So uh, we wish the best of luck to both Cam and Joey who will be playing lacrosse in college. And we also have three football players that are at the event. Now, another fourth, Ryan Silvius, wasn't at the event, but he is going to be playing football in college, and he will be attending uh, California University of Pennsylvania, along with Mikey Mike Klein. Klein yeah. So uh, they, the, uh, I believe they're the Vulcans, are they not? Is that... Something. They could be, I believe so. I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah, I, I, it's always fun this time of year finding out the name of some of these schools because obviously I, I've heard of Cal U, but I can't. I'm not sure I ever knew what their mascot was, right. and it, right. it was something different. So, uh, yeah. So both Mike Klein and Ryan Silvius going to play for Cal U, and then uh, on the left you have Isaiah Gilmore going to Shippensburg, and in the middle Nick Johnson, who unfortunately missed most of his senior year with the uh, the leg injury. However, he is going to be playing collegiate ball at Millersville. Yeah. So uh, it'll be great to be able to hopefully watch some of these guys over the next few years when they play. You know, that PSAC is loaded with a lot yeah, of Wilson talent. Yeah. Um, and I don't have pictures or video here, but um, class of 2017, uh, football fall of 2016, wide receiver defense or wide receiver linebacker Brian Wright is now going to be playing at Kutztown. 
uh, which is where Mason McElroy is right now. Yeah. So if you can get to a Kutztown Millersville game or a Kutztown East Stroudsburg um, where Regal is playing, yeah. Isaiah Regal is playing, you, you wrecking <laughs> things gosh. now, you wrecking the wrecking the place. Yes. <laughs> um, so a lot of uh, great matchups in the PSAC. So uh, check that out and you can see some former Wilson players. And uh, I'm hoping to get to, I, I got to one two years ago. Got to see Mason and Isaiah play up at Kutztown. I didn't get to anything this past year, but I'm hoping this year maybe to get to another one. Um, hopefully that's in the cards. Yeah, it, it's exciting. I know, um, you know, a couple of the guys um, that that are on the Millersville team this past year, They uh, one of the LL writers for Lancaster News um, wrote about, like, all the LL players that are on um, Millersville roster. And then he mentioned some others that are on – you know, some of the other PSAC teams and like, yeah, it's loaded with LL talent. And so it's exciting to see those guys um, go on and, and get a chance to kind of play at that next level, you know, yep. and, and see what it takes to, to make that jump. Um, you know, obviously they're great players, but uh, to kind of continue that onto the next stage and, and hopefully, you know, we, we just talked about it, you know, um, putting in that work and then when they get their chance, uh, be able to make the most of it. So. Yeah, and at Millersville, Nick Borelli is a kicker there, a place kicker there, and uh, Zach Button is a linebacker there. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's not not just uh, some recent graduates, but also ones from a few years ago playing in the uh, PSAC as well. And because those are relatively local teams, some of them closer than others, uh, you should be able to uh, to take a game in at, at Millersville or uh, or Kutztown. Those are probably the two easiest oh, ones. Yeah. All right. So Zach Button, one of those that I had in class a long time ago, and that's one of those we were talking before. Like <laughs> makes every day we have old, things that right? make me feel old. Yeah, yeah. Zach Button, that makes me feel old. <laughs> but uh, he'll be a redshirt senior this year, so this will be his swan song for, uh, for Millersville. But uh, – yeah, looking forward to hopefully uh, watching some of these guys play this coming fall at the collegiate level. Okay, so two more things to kind of wrap up 2018 before we fully go to 2019. Uh, just recently, PAFootballNews.com released their academic teams, and Wilson was well represented there, um, placing in the gold category, the top tier, and this is for members of a team that played this past fall with GPA of 4.0 or higher in some cases. Because, like, I know there's some people that they're like, well, how can you have higher than a 4.0? Well, because classes are weighted. So harder, higher higher level classes are weighted more. And so that's how you end up with classes that are more, that count for more than just the regular. Right. So Wilson had six on the gold list starting with Nick Hoekstra and followed by Anthony Coper, Matt Fry, Nate Keller, Ethan Capitano, and Troy Corson. Now of note there, only one of them is a senior. Oh. So having a, a good group of guys back that placed a four, had a 4.0 or higher during a football season this past year. So congratulations to those guys. Um, just behind them in the silver category, again, this is a GPA of 3.5 to 3.9. Anthony Future, Cameron Magalotti, Greg Smith, Isaiah Gilmore, Adam Venino, and Brady Gibble. Finally, the bronze category, three players there. They had a GPA of 3.0 to 3.4 during football season this past fall. They were Chandler Fern, AJ Fudrick, and Nate Hoekstra. So two pairs of brothers on there, both making the all-academic team. So congratulations to those 15 Wilson Bulldogs that made PAFootballNews.com's all-academic team. 
Uh, 15 players is pretty good to have on that list, especially when you have that many in the gold category. So uh, kudos to them for um, doing, you know, taking classwork and the academic side as seriously as, as a lot of these guys take the football side. I know we talk about this a lot um, when, when we're talking about kids and where, and where they're going to end up. Um, But, you know, it's, for the college coaches, it's it's important to see where what these kids can do. I say kids, young guys in the in the classroom too. And I know that sounds really cliche, but it it happens every year. There's there's guy that uh, need to be, um, you know, th- their grades are a big part of it, and and so being able to see them kind of uh, get it done in the classroom is is huge. So. Um- Someone just mentioned, I'm guessing it's Leo's dad, just mentioned, uh, and I had seen this, that he had gotten an offer from Central Connecticut State. I didn't realize that he had taken it, but uh, Leo Quigley, the the starting linebacker for Wilson in 2016, uh, class of 2017, he's played at Lackawanna the last couple of years, and he got a scholarship offer from Central Connecticut State, and he will be going there. That's awesome. So that's awesome. So another D1 guy for Wilson, yeah. uh, and Leo's been working his butt off to get there, just like yeah. Brian Wright has to get to Kutztown. That's that's perfect. You know, and like we said, the work doesn't end when you accept that scholarship, you know, or make that plan of where you're going when when you're done at Wilson. Um, if if you're continuing on, the work in a way has just begun, you know. And absolutely, so guys like Leo um, and Brian and, and some of those others that you know found their way and worked really hard to uh to make that work for them that's awesome congrats congrats to to leo on uh getting that offer and, and everything too yeah earning that d1 scholarship man that's got to feel great yeah. um, I, I i hadn't heard that he had uh, accepted and is going there so i'm glad to get confirmation on that and even better he'll get to play with fode yeah fode Jallo, yeah. who's also class of 2017 you know football senior 2016 uh they won the district championship and now a lot of them are playing uh, in, at the next level, yeah. and now we get to see Leo and Fode playing together. So yeah. that's great. That's awesome. I'm glad. He, I'm glad he let me know because I did not know that uh, that he had accepted. So that's that is incredible. Last thing on the 2018 team coming up, they have those All Star games. Um, Isaiah Gilmore was named to the East West, the PFSCA East West game. I don't think any Wilson players made Big 33 this year. But there will be at least three representatives at the uh, Tri-County All-Star Game that's put forth by the Manheim Touchdown Club, and that's the best of Lancaster, Lebanon, and Wilson, essentially. They throw Burks in there because Wilson's in there. So um, it's been around for – it started, I think, when I was playing. I was going to say, to be fair, back when I think the Tri-County All-Star Game started, because I believe it was going on – it's essentially the LL League All-Star Game, but – um, LL plus Wilson Mifflin and Renning when it started because right. I think it had started in 2001, it, like right around when I yeah. was playing. So uh, Wilson's going to have three representatives this year. Uh, I was told that Anthony Futrick, Elijah Morales, and Mike Klein will okay. be taking part. And it will be broadcast on Friday, May 24th from Manheim Central at Reptile Stadium. It will be broadcast on TV, on BCTV and on their website bctv.org and I'm going to be commentating. That's awesome. Uh, so yeah. I'm going to I'm going to uh I'm going to take my camera along, hopefully get some pictures beforehand. I won't be taking any during the game cuz me and Bruce Badgley are going to be uh commentating the uh, the All-Star game. Yeah, so that'll be fun. It'll be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad that Wilson's got three guys playing and I think there are a few more that had to turn it down because 
lacrosse is still going on. Yeah, they hope to still be playing um, meaningful games at that point. Right. So, uh, yeah, I know it's tough, especially with the other All-Star games. You can't really overlap because of practices and the timing. You know, uh, East-West, Tri-County, and Big 33, I think, are all within like three weeks of each other or something like Mm -hmm. that. And I don't think Burks had theirs last year. I don't know if it's coming back this year or not. I know that's all they had like the other stuff, like the drills that they always did, like leading up to it. Uh, you always hear about the underclassmen performing and the, the, you know, the weight training and the physical activities. Uh, you always hear about, you know, who was the big up and comers, but they didn't have the all star game last year. I don't know if that's coming back or not, but there will be three Bulldogs playing in the tri county game on May 24th. So the Friday of Memorial Day weekend, you can see, um, Futrick, Morales and Klein one more time up in Mannheim Central. All right, so I think that covers 2018 and what's been going on. So let's look ahead towards 2019 and a look at the schedule, which I believe we may have talked about previously. Um, If not, here you go. It it shouldn't be that much of a surprise because, you know, the two-year cycle that the high school system kind of goes in, you keep the same opponents but just flip-flop home and home. Right. So anyone that we played at Gursky last year, we're going to be on the road. Anyone that we traveled to last year, we'll be at, back at Gursky. There will be no changes. The the weeks, the dates are all the same. We're off by one day. And, uh, yeah, it, there really isn't too much to say about it. Same non-conference or non-league slate with Central Dolphin, Governor Mifflin, Springford, and then the crossover with Mannheim Central. And then the league will set up to be Penn Manor, Mannheim Township, Hempfield, Warwick, Cedarcrest, and McCaskey. The District 3-6A playoffs will start on November 1st with the championship on or around. They could change it. Last year it was the Friday. November 15th would be yeah, the D3-6A final. I imagine it will stay on the Friday, especially with it likely being at a different site. You right. Know, like to be determined based on who's playing and, and things like that. Um Although weather this this fall certainly wreaked havoc on oh yeah it was where bad. sites could be you had rain like for you know the summer and throughout the fall and then all of a sudden we got that snowstorm that yeah. really threw a wrench into things but uh, the biggest highlights here um, well the, uh, the the home slate is exquisite the, the <laughs> home games at Gursky are excellent you got Central Dolphin Mannheim Central Mannheim Township Warwick. And you finish with McCaskey. Yeah. So especially those first four. Uh, wow. You, you know, the rivalry with Central Dolphin, who Wilson now hasn't beaten since, I believe, the 2014 district championship was the last time we beat Central Dolphin, losing in 15, 16, 17, and 18. Then you have Manheim Central, who uh, Wilson probably should have beat last year, but couldn't get it done on the road. Let's see if they can do it at home. Then Manheim Township. You know, that's been their toughest league opponent now for the last few years. Oh. And uh, after what happened last year at Warwick, I'm sure everyone's looking forward to that game at Gursky. And, well, there's something else going on that weekend. Uh, is actually going to be when the team is celebrating the 75th season, which uh, 2019 is the 75th season of the Wilson football program. And a lot has been going on behind the scenes for well over a year now of how to uh, – market, commemorate, and celebrate it. And uh, that will be happening. That will kind of culminate with the Warwick game on October 11th. Uh, That evening is when the Tradition Club will be hosting their annual event, recognizing some championship teams from the past. 
And what we've decided this year is, uh, with the suggestion from Coach Doms, is looking at the uh, teams with ending in the year nine, because apparently, well, Wilson's been pretty good when the year ends in nine. Um, in 1959 wasn't a championship season, but they did go uh, eight and one or eight one and one. It was the best season to date at the time. Uh, they just narrowly missed out winning a league championship that season. And then Wilson did win at least league titles in 1969 and 1979. 1989-1999 also produced district championships. And then 2009 was an undefeated season with a uh, league championship. So, yeah, the the years that ended nine have been very good to the Wilson football program. And we'll be com- commemorating uh, 50, 40, 30, 20, and 10-year anniversaries for those teams. So if you're a member of those teams, you know, get in contact with me, WilsonBulldogsFootball at gmail.com. We need to get your mailing address so we can send you the save the date and you can have all the information. And that's not just seniors on those teams. That's anyone that was a member of that team. Uh, underclassmen, coaches, you name it. If you are part of uh, 1969, 1979, 1989, 1999, or 2009 fall football teams, then uh, we will be recognizing you at the game against Warwick on Friday, October 11th. Then the next day is the big event that has been been planning now for uh, a while. It's going to be a football alumni flag football game and an evening reception. And the restaurant will be still to be determined about that. But we are looking forward to welcoming back a lot of uh, former football players for a flag football game on Saturday, October 12th. That will be in John Gursky Stadium. If you're a Penn State fan, you don't have to worry about it. Penn State doesn't start until primetime that night against wow. at Iowa. It is not a home game. Trust me, I looked into this when I started working with Penn State is away, and it will be a later game. So when this flag game ends, you can either go to the reception if you're a player and watch the Penn State game there, or you can go home and watch the Penn mm-hmm. State game. Don't have to worry about it. Right. That's not can't be an excuse. Uh, so obviously a lot more about the flag football game will be announced in the near future. Uh, we started reaching out to uh, this first group of players that we wanted to request if they would like to contribute and play in the fundraiser game. And that's the biggest thing. We're going to be celebrating the past of Wilson football, you know, the best of the best over the last 75 years. Um, but it's also going to be a fundraiser um, at a minimum for the for the football program. And I'm, we're going to be working to team up with another uh, Wilson charity. We just haven't gotten the official word yet, so I don't want to say too much about who it could also benefit. But for as of now, it's definitely benefiting the football program. And we're looking forward to hopefully having some really big names coming back to play flag football and just have a good time celebrating 75 years of the program. Yeah, it should be uh, something a little different, but uh, fun for everyone. So um, stay in touch for more details um, as they become available. Yeah, really, really looking forward to that. Uh, We've been working on it for a a long time. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be going to be a really, really fun event. So that's kind of it for the Wilson centric stuff. Wilson is involved in the next two things, but they're not the only one involved. I'm not the only player in the next things that Justin and I are going to discuss over the next uh, 20, 25 minutes or so. Um, So one that I just heard at the tradition club meeting last week um, was that the Lancaster Lebanon league apparently is considering 
I don't want to say expansion because they're not adding any teams, but no, they're changing re- the alignment. Yeah. yeah, they want to. Well, they're thinking of reformatting for the, the second football time, section, the second time in two years, right? Because starting with the 2018 season and continuing this year in 2019, uh, you kept three sections, but they bumped two teams down at least one, if not two sections in, in Lebanon's case to section three, and that section was overloaded, I believe, with ten teams. Yeah, I believe there was 10 because I think those teams only played one non-league game. But you at at the same time, the LL added Octorera, I believe. Right. And so you added a, a small school, smaller school, and you also dropped the team and then you also realigned. So you ended up having a bunch of teams go down into Section 3. So, Well, it had been, what, 8-8 eight, eight and... Seven or something I like think that. So. It was eight in section one, eight in section two, and seven in section three. Well, they added Octorora and then dropped Lebanon from section one and Ephrata from section two, right? Is yeah, that how it so. went? So then you went six, six, and ten. Yeah. Or something like seven, yeah. seven, and ten. Yeah. Sorry, seven, seven, and ten. And uh, then they instituted that mandatory crossover game. That's how we ended up with Manheim Central for a two year cycle. Well, now they're talking about changing it again. And, uh, I mean, they're not just talking about it. They're already voting about it. So the Lancaster Lebanon League athletic directors have already voted in favor of moving from three sections to four sections. Now, nothing is set in stone, and obviously this won't be happening in 2019, but that is uh, on the horizon, a potential change that could be happening where there will be four sections of six teams each, meaning you'd only have five league games, which... If you recall the talk just over a year ago about the Burks Football League moving right. to play, the, emerging with the LL League, the whole reason behind that was to help some of the smaller schools and everyone in the Burks League especially be able to find well, enough non-league games. If you remember, I believe it was not this past season. I think it was the season before, like why missing, ended up traveling Mid- Mifflin County, two right? hours to play Mifflin County, who was a 6A school. Why missing? I believe is three A, um, playing a six A school. Now Mifflin County is not your traditional regular. Um, no, they had a good year high, this year, though. Yeah, I think, and I think that was the merging of a couple different schools that became one school district. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but um, yeah. So you you see a lot of this. Um, you also see it, and some of it is competition-wise with Burks Cal. Like I don't, you know, I know they look to really kind of push themselves with some of their non-league games, but part of it is they have to find teams to play, and so they play, you know, the the private school from Maryland. You know, they they have to really open up who it is they're looking to fill the schedule with, and um, yeah, those are all issues that could be coming to specifically section one and essentially section two of LL. Now right. there are some things that could come into play there where you're not necessarily looking if there, what would it be like? I guess um, you're not looking for necessarily five true non-league games. If they still have the crossovers in place, like well, that could fill some of them and, yeah, so and things like that. From what I was told that, well, first off it was uh, voted on by the athletic directors at this juncture. Now, I don't know if they have to vote on it again and it could come out differently next time because it only passed by a one vote more margin. I believe it was 14 to 13, which leads me to believe that schools in the LL that may not even have football programs are voting. Cause I thought there was only 24 
teams. Yeah, I don't. Know. I don't. I don't know how the how that works. Is well, and that's and that's. I don't know how it works. Like if you are, if you are a co-op for certain sports, they but both vote. But if you're in, right, like, right. So yeah, so I think that's where it may have come from. A few of the teams that co-op, like Lebanon Catholic, I, still gets a vote even though they don't have a football, a football team. team. But they probably play they for, have a with co-op with another school, right. uh, Anvil Cleona, I believe. Which is interesting. You would think they would. I have no idea on the parts of it, but you think they would like co-op with like Lebanon. Cedar Crest or some something like that? Because I mean, they're not. It's not far from Cedar Crest right. High School or Lebanon High School. Like it's obviously in Lebanon, right? You've probably never been to Lebanon Catholic, but I I have, I have been not there. been to Lebanon. I have Catholic, been there. Yes, I thought you were going to say Lebanon. I was like, no, I've been to Lebanon. <laughs> yeah. no, I've never been to Lebanon Catholic, no. but yeah. So the the school principals throughout the Lancaster Lebanon League now get to vote on it as well. And I was told that it's not always the case, not guaranteed that they vote the same way as the athletic directors do. So, you know, it could go a complete other direction. And I'm not sure if that happens, if it gets squashed. Like, I don't know the intricacies of how the league operates. And, you know, I'm sure they knew about it before, but I feel like now it's become a a talking point. Like we saw it was on, you know, it was it was in the Reading Eagle. I think Drago or someone posted an article about it. just this past week when when it was after you had told me like a few days later we we started to see it there so it'll be interesting because i'm sure the football coaches and whatever take they have and obviously we don't know what the other coaches around the league think of it um but i'm sure they they are letting their principals and and things know what what their thoughts are now that doesn't necessarily mean that changes anything but you know like i'm sure for example i you know i just I'm sure um, Evans at Mannheim Township, you know, will will talk to the principal and just be like, "Hey, this is what you know is kind of going on here." But it, I don't, I don't know. It'll be interesting because, like you've said, it, in we you see an influx in that like section three. So, like, I don't know if there's a mindset to change that. Like, if they didn't like having the nine <laughs> games, you know, like I, I don't, I don't really know. Um, It'll be interesting to see how that how that kind of plays out. But I didn't realize the Red and Eagle cover this. I usually see these and I didn't. So this makes it sound like it's official. It does make it sound like that. Because yes. <laughs> it says the Lancaster Lebanon League voted Thursday and my meeting was Tuesday. Okay. So they voted Thursday to realign football and expand to four sections from three. Wilson obviously remaining in section one, six teams down from seven. The changes will take effect in twenty twenty. Um, there will be mandatory crossover games between section one and two and section three and four section one competitors will be Cedar Crest, Hempfield, Manheim Township, McCaskey, and Penn Manor. Uh, Warwick will drop to section two. So, yeah. so actually this is kind of ruining some of my thunder because I was going to talk about Sorry. next of who's going to be in. Well, no, that's fine. I don't want to be out of date, but I completely missed that, that, uh, the Red and Eagle posted this from LancasterOnline.com. Uh, cause I was going to say, if you go by, enrollment lebanon should be in section one but that would completely defeat the purpose of what they did for this current two-year cycle right um because the teams that should be with wilson should be um mccaskey hempfield manheim township penn manor and lebanon and i was like well they probably won't keep lebanon there so it'll either be cedar crest or warwick and i wasn't sure how they were going to do it i actually expected warwick to stay up and then to send cedar crest down but apparently that was not what they'll be doing um now it does not say 
if it doesn't talk about the double crossover. Yeah, so apparently that is not happening. That was also going to be another point of discussion here is will they institute a second crossover game where right now the way it stands, it's the two winningest programs from section one and section two, they meet in a crossover game. Then the the second closest meet. So this past year, Wilson played Manheim Central, Wilson being the winningest program from section one over the last few years, Central being the winningest in section two. And then it was Township against Cocalico, and they just kind of went down like that. And they're going to obviously reanalyze it, but I don't see much changing, changing at least at the top. I mean, I, I, I guess it may depend I mean, how this year goes. I was going to say, depending on how this year goes, Township could leap us. Right. Because they beat us. Now, is it league schedule only, or well, is it your um, other games too? It says because- right here, uh, crossover matchups will be determined by each program's winning percentage over the previous three seasons. So, so I mean, Township's year last year was yeah really good. <laughs> Depending on what happens with Wilson and Township this year, Township could leap Wilson to be the number one, which means they would have to play Central, and we would probably play like Cocalico. Which isn't any like pushover at all you know they, no they've got it well but they play the mifflin a, style right it's a very different style than playing Mannheim central but like yeah wilson it, it, also it, it pre- presents a very different challenge yet still a challenge from that but i'm sure yeah i and it's interesting because i know at least at the top level i don't think the section one teams or section two teams like these crossover games no they don't now, at least now not, maybe at the, low, the like the, the lower ones like don't mind whatever you know but like i know the top ones aren't real fond of it so it, that's interesting so but there's more small schools than big schools when you come to voting wilson so if you're a section 3 team you don't care if manheim central has to play wilson or manheim township or whatever you know what i mean like what do you care if wilson ends up having to play cocalico in 2020 and 2021 there are wilson connections at cocalico there are. <laughs> where i believe dan sukanic is a coach he is. and he would coach at wilson and teaches at wilson and jeff brubaker who just retired from coaching this past season his son is a underclassmen at Cocalico yeah. and we'll be rising the ranks there as uh, Wilson's getting ready to play them. So we'll be interesting, you know, and now if Wilson has a great year and Township has a down year, Wilson has a chance to stay on top. Yeah. And I uh, don't know when, like when that decision is made for that, you, you know, like, well, I, my guess is because it trickles down through all four sections and all the teams know it's going to happen that you just have in your schedule crossover. Right, right. So I don't like, I think they'll wait until the season's done and they'll calculate and it'll be like, Wilson plays Central again or Wilson's playing Cocalico this time. Yeah. There was talk about Although there being two crossover right, games. Weren't all, not all the crossovers were the same. No, they're not though. the same. So, week, like, yeah. you have to kind of know. You, right. You do. Because like, you can't just be like, week four is our crossover. Right. It game. worked in Wilson's favor. And maybe they go by number one's playing week four, number two's playing week five. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'd have to look at that. If Township and Kokalko played in week five last year, I'm guessing that's what they did because Wilson and Central played in week four. I'm just interested to see because it, it says over the previous three years, but like you are only making the schedule every two, you know? So like, I guess right. maybe the third year takes that into account. Right. So you know what I mean, so I, I'd have to sit down and like kind of write it out to figure it out. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, the, there'll be more information to come out, but uh, just to kind of round off this topic, section two, the new section two will be Warwick with Cocalico, Conestoga Valley, Elizabethtown, Manheim Central, and Solanco. And obviously, what, that is that's a heck of a section right there. Like, 
I mean, it's Manheim Central is always going to be yes. the kingpin, but you could see good years from Kukalico or Warwick every so often. And then right. when, uh, you know, if CV or Solanco gets it going right. uh, from time to time, but that's Manheim Central's section to, to lose. Yeah. In section three, the new section three will be Donegal, Ephrata, Garden Spot, Lancaster Catholic, Lampeter Strasburg, and Lebanon. So there's Lebanon in section three. So the very new, brand new section four will be Anvil, Cleona, Columbia. There we go. Time. <laughs> Elko, Northern Lemon, Lebanon, Octorora, and Pequa Valley. Man, I, I have I've made my tour of Section 4 in, in the other oh, league. Here, we should have read the article farther. <laughs> Each school will open with four non-league games and play its crossover in the fifth week. The final five weeks so like, will what be a, league What game. do I tell the kids all the time? Read the whole thing right. and then go through. Well, yeah. The league has used three sections for football since 1975 when Muhlenberg and Wilson joined the league, according to Jeff Reiner. Wow. So, yeah. So, Wilson's been in the, the LL League since 1975. Yeah. But... So there you go. Apparently, I'm guessing the principals then agreed. That's yeah. what it sounds like. Because the last info that I had was, hey, it all depends on what's going on. Uh, at least, at least fourteen of them, right? <laughs> yeah, right. So I'm guessing at least fourteen said, "Yep, let's do it." And now it's happening. So um, after already talking to Coach Doms about it potentially happening, I know he is not happy about this. <laughs> uh, and it all comes down to scheduling because right. no one wants to play Wilson. That was the discussion. Who's Wilson going to pick up? Because now you'd expect. Central Dolphin and Mifflin are staying on that. I don't think that I, or at least right. they expect them to stay right, on. Right. Because it, it, that's a good thing for, that seems to be a win-win for both, you know, um, Spr- it's, it's good for both those teams. Springford is a likely candidate in the future, but 2020 and 2021, that two year cycle that we're talking about, it's up in the air. Yeah. So you now might have to find, might have to find two teams. Uh, I know that, there's a potential for Wilson to add one or both, depending on what happens with Springford, of Reading or Exeter. And I know Berks County football fans would be happy to probably see Wilson play Reading or and I think or Exeter be great. again. I'm all for it. I think it's great to play those local teams. It's going to save you some money on busing. It's not as I mean, you still got to use it, but it's not the it's not as far. You know, you're not going to a mid pen team. We're not traveling to Chambersburg. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah, the f- schedule's not filled yet, so why don't yeah, we just hold off on that um, one? Ugh. And then, obviously, there's always potential, like when Wilson added Central Dolphin in 2014, you could reach into the mid-pen and maybe talk to a Harrisburg or a Cumberland Valley. Yeah, because you never know what's going to happen there. Um, uh, and there was also something... And not not to throw it too far off, but like if Section 2 is affected by the number of non-league games, too, you know, then... Maybe there's a team, and I'm not saying like that it would be a force crossover, but a team like Kokalka, I don't necessarily think they're necessarily going to be looking. But you know, with the way the leagues are kind of like in flux right now, it just you don't know who's going to be looking for other teams that they have to play coming up. From what I hear, unless it's mandated, I don't believe Manheim Central or Cocalico want to play Wilson, and I'm not sure Wilson wants to play at least Manheim Central. Right. Um, I, I, I'm not sure that's something that either team wants. Now the league says otherwise, so they do it. Um, but there's three other schools um, closer to Philly, uh, halfway to Philly, that are uh, possibilities in Coatesville and Downingtown West and Downingtown East. Uh, supposedly they may be getting kicked out of the Chessmont League for being too good. Mm. Uh, so that could open up there. You know, if they'd be playing independent schedules, there's a potential for Wilson to possibly pick up one of those three teams. Uh, 
but we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, that, that won't be discussed until, you know, probably not until at, at the earliest, maybe this summer, uh, if not next fall, or this coming fall. So um, hopefully, you know, in November-ish, December, when the 19 seasons, you know, we're putting a bow on this year, we can look ahead to 2020 and say, well, these are the four non-league teams. This is the crossover game. And, these are the five league opponents. Yeah. But talk about change from just two years ago. Yeah. Like, well, 2016, it, and, it was and all normal. I, I know we, we alluded to it. I don't know if we came out and, and just said it. Like, there was that talk that, oh, well, maybe the Burks and LL would, would join forces. Well, this realignment in the LL pretty much puts the nail in the coffin. Like, yeah. the literal nail in the coffin of that. It will not happen. I know that's not the actual literal, but... <laughs> All right, so let's talk about something a little bit less uh, controversial, right? <laughs> Public versus private. Boundary versus non-boundary. We've been talking about it a lot over the last at least two years, uh, and it's really gained steam over the last uh, probably five or so years where uh, statistically non-boundary schools have been doing a lot better than you'd expect number-wise in uh, championship games, especially at some of the bigger classifications, uh, and it's not more prevalent than in football and boys and girls basketball, uh, for sure. And starting last year, we saw the public schools held a summit and essentially petitioned the PIAA to do something about it. They even sort of or got close to threatening leaving the PIAA uh, if something wasn't done. And now we have finally government stepping in. I mean, what could we do without legislators getting involved? But the PIAA is to blame for this because they basically say, hey, it's a state law that says we can't do this. Right. So now the representatives... Which, which, which it, it is, but it's The way one of those they where, interpret it, it right, is. Right, it's one of those where there have been people that say like, but if the PIAA did it, would there be basis to actually challenge it? And right. that's not so strong of a case, but... That's, that may be past news. If we'll have to see how things go. So the Pennsylvania State Legislature is—they're uh, not taking on the PIAA. They're basically pulling the rug out from they're under gonna, the PIAA. They're going to punt it back. They're going to say it's your problem <laughs> now. Uh, so Pennsylvania State Representative Scott Conklin, who's a Democrat from I believe Center County, I think okay. that's where he his home base is. Um, he's introduced a bill that essentially allows the PIAA to separate boundary and non-boundary schools. It'll separate their state championships across all sports. So it basically says, PIAA, we're not worried about this anymore. You certainly can separate them if that's what you think is in the best interest of the athletic programs and the uh, the athletic students, so the student athletes. Um, Representative Conklin introduced this to the leaders of the PSFCA on Valentine's Day during their coaches clinic at Penn State. And uh, the bill, which is Bill 919, is an amendment to the 1972 law that the PIAA loves to quote. Mm -hmm. And it's essentially taking away the part that they are standing on. It takes it away from them. Mm -hmm. And uh, the actual bill, as is written, says, quote, for the purpose of playoffs and awarding championships, the Pennsylvania Interscholastic Athletic Association shall establish separate playoff systems and championships for athletics for public schools and private schools admitted under subsection A, and then obviously it goes into more bureaucratic stuff. But so it's basically saying you need to do this. 
Like, right. here you go. This is, this allows you to do this. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's the key that he allows. So again, I don't, I, I know this is a huge step towards that happening because for a long time, you know, people were like, well, if it, if it relies on, if it relies on the, the state legislature to get it done, it's never going to happen. You know, just thinking like, right. they're not going to take this on. No. I still am kind of the I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing because, uh, well, right for lots of reasons, but most of those which we'll share off off the air. But like, <laughs> there are just lots of the reasons why I I think you know I don't think it's bad when when there's something that gives options, um, but at the same time I'm still in the. I believe this is a step, and the idea that it's even being considered is is huge. I'll believe it when I see it. And well, and that's not to say it, it, I have any insight into whether or not this is going to happen. Like I, I don't. I just, yeah, I just feel like this seems rather easy. You know what I mean? Like it seems like this would be way too smooth for how difficult we've heard this would be right. forever. You know, but forever I, we've heard how how bad this would be, and I feel like this would be just like a rather quick fix, relatively speaking, in terms of from the time it actually started gaming gaining steam to when it was like played out. That would happen pretty quick for something that seemed like it was just not really treading water, like kind of treading water with your head just under the water for for a yeah. long time. Well, yeah, I feel like. The PIAA, you know, always said that we can't do this because of this. And public schools were like, that's you're misinterpreting it. And other people are just like, well, it's going to take, you know, the governing body of the state of Pennsylvania to step in. And who's going to do that? Well, here he is. Representative Conklin's ready to do it. He actually says he wants to have movement on the bill prior to this summer recess this year. And they the proponents hope that it's passed as soon as possible. So basically, they can force the PIAA to make changes for the 2020 cycle. Wow. That's the hope. Right. Now, is it going to happen? I mean, we know the red tape and everything that it has to go through when you're talking about Congress yeah, but and whatnot. Like, as, as silly as it may seem, and some people will be like, why are they wasting time? This is an issue that touches – like, there, <laughs> there are a lot of state yeah. laws and state bills that are hot topic issues in this county, but no one cares in that county and right. no one cares in that county. I'll tell you what, you can go to a lot of counties in the state of Pennsylvania. At least two-thirds, if not three-quarters. There are a lot. And and that southwest corner is also very interested in yeah. this. You know, that, like so. that west central area. Yeah. Um, and obviously south central and southeastern. Um well, it, I I don't know exactly where, but you know, if you have Conklin in if he's from Center County, that could could be somewhere in, close to the state college area where state college is always going to be playing you Play. know someone like Pittsburgh Central Catholic or right. something like that and, yeah i guess yeah. i'm interested and this is just kind of a tangent to this is where does it fall with uh, schools that offer i was i know where you're going with this <laughs> yeah. offer this basically school choice or uh you know cuz pine richland gets students. tuition students from ohio Right, you know, they're how different are they really from St. Joe's Prep, right. who gets them from Ohio or excuse me, New Jersey and Delaware? Right, like how different is that? Right, and maybe that's that's see that's where I feel like a lot of this still needs to be ironed out. Like, how is that going to take place? Um, you know, I, 
I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I do not know. So last thing we want to cover on the show related to public-private is just have a few quotes here from the Penn Live article that I'm referencing. Um, and it's because it's from, well, former Wilson head coach uh, Jim Contafio, who's kind of been Ooh, one is, of the ringleaders yes. of the public versus private debate. And he has really stirred the pot at times not about one, needing Not one known separation. to ever hold his tongue no, on, not on, his, on his feelings on things. Um, and, uh, you know, he's obviously a, a strong supporter of separating uh, the boundary and non-boundary schools. And I believe actually this upcoming season, he is going to be his last at Coachville. He's going to be retiring from coaching. And uh, he was quoted in the Penn Live article. Um, and he's actually the recognition committee chair um, for the uh, PSFCA, the Pennsylvania State Football Coaches Association. Um, and Penn Live caught up with him and asked him about the proposed legislation and as an opportunity if it's passed. And he says, quote, what Conklin is doing is opening the doorway for the PIAA to sit down and look at the situation and hopefully come up with a better solution. It's going to open the door to opportunity. Nobody is being left out. It will bring the PIAA to the table and say, we can now discuss this and come up with a new format. Right. And that's pretty much what we've needed, what we wanted. So, yep, hopefully we hear more about it before um, the, the representatives recess for the summer. And uh, if they move quick enough, we I can think see changes be, I think in 2020. it'll be interesting to see, though, because we haven't really heard what a lot of the people who make these decisions in the PIAA, what they actually right. think, because they always punt. You know, and be like, it doesn't matter what I think because it'll never happen because it's in the legislature. Yeah, like, we've well, heard that answer right. a million times yeah. from a million different people. Well, now the legislature is about to say, no, no, what is your answer? And I feel like that's going to leave some of these people like, all right, um, now I have to figure this out. Right. Now we have to actually deal with it. Now, fortunately, so, there are a lot of people who have given this a lot of thought. And it's not like they're starting at scratch. There's a lot of people who have oh, a lot of good ideas. There's proposals and, out there already. Right. Before it even became so, like, you know, we feasible. Had, we had viable ideas oh my gosh, a couple yeah, years ago we when absolutely they were going to did. But, Yeah. Well, that's another debate, man. That's something that's really made things difficult going to six classifications. Yeah. But that's a topic for another time. So we're going to move off of that and wrap up here. I just have one other announcement that I didn't cover at the top of the show, but I, I'm kind of spinning off something from the Bulldog Hour. Um, I'm starting a new podcast. It won't be live, but I am producing and hosting it. It's going to feature interviews with uh, former Wilson football greats. So I'm kind of trying to grab the people throughout history that have been important to the Wilson program uh, players, coaches, and individuals that maybe didn't step on the field but have contributed in, a, in very meaningful ways. And I'm hoping to uh, record a few of these throughout the year, you know, uh, four to six, maybe eight if I get lucky and find a lot of free time to, to sit down with some of these people. Uh, but I am about to record the first one, and I'm hoping to uh, premiere the uh, show and make the first episode available on March 24th. Uh, and the show is called My Wilson Football Story. So... Anyone that sits down with me will discuss just their time in the Wilson football program and, you know, their experiences, the, their, the positive impact it had on their lives and just uh, their, their greatest memories as being a Bulldog player. Uh, so if you're interested in being focused on one of these episodes, uh, again, email me, uh, wilsonbulldogsfootball at gmail.com. I already had a few people interested and I'm sitting down with someone uh, this coming weekend, a week from now. And then it'll take some time to do a post-production and editing because I'm also, I am making it a, a video and not just audio. And I'd like to splice in highlights and things like that. So it's going to take a little bit of time to release each episode. Um, but I'm looking forward to recording the first one this weekend 
um, with one of the biggest names in Wilson football history. So yeah, that, that'll be yeah, it, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to uh, setting the bar pretty high. Yeah, yeah, but well, I got a couple more that that you know because of distance or or you know. Oh yeah, I got There's you. a couple of ones you. that I think that that may be able to top it, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I'm looking forward to a. Uh, to doing it and not doing it live so that if I mess up, I can just cut it out or I can That's say, the best. we need to answer that question again. And anytime we record stuff, like literally record it, not do it live. It is, it is so much let, I, this isn't like super stressful, but you know what I mean? Like it just has a completely different feel. Cause you're like, Oh, if we, and whenever we interview the kids yeah. after, well, before the season or after games and things like that, you know, we always tell them this isn't live. So if yeah. you screw up, we're not. It's Don't not worry, gonna, I'll cut it and, out. Like you can see, like the relief on their faces. Sometimes yeah, well, we used show. to do some of the post game ones. We used to do live. <laughs> we stream it right to Facebook. Man, that was the, that puts me on the spot. Though I didn't like doing that because sometimes I just felt like I just couldn't get the question out. It's right. really tough at, after that game trying to look over the stats and be like, yeah. "What do I ask?" That's different, and usually it's not different. It's usually it's the same stuff, but, <laughs> but uh, it's fun. And uh, s- some of the kids and coaches like to come on, so we like to uh, we like to uh, get them on the show. And, and, and some avoid us like the plague. Absolutely, <laughs> direct yeah. us to other coaches. We're not going to let that happen this year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the last thing to talk about: uh, Wilson Minithon just yeah. concluded early this this morning, right? Yeah, this morning, yeah, yeah. Saturday into Sunday, twelve hours, six to six. And uh, well, they raised a lot of money again yeah, this year. Did it, was, it go? It went up again, right? I'm not exactly. I don't remember it, what it was like. But year. they did an incredible job raising over ninety three thousand dollars in their efforts. Uh, Wilson Minithon, I believe this was the sixth year. I want to say sixth. Uh, again, I'm not exactly <laughs> sure, but things that make me feel old. <laughs> I think so. I feel like the first one was in 2014. I, I want to say so. 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. I'm really bad at this game. So (laughs) it's my Um, old age. (laughs) But, you know, they've done incredibly well over these last six years, and it's great to see them continue to grow and and all the the kids uh, participating throughout the year in in the culminating event here. And last weekend was the main event up at State College. And it's really cool to see so many of the Wilson kids that go on to State College and Penn State. like kids like uh, Preston Hoops, who was a, I believe he was a, um, he was he was a he was an officer of some kind this year. I I don't really the, know how. I think you one. said he was a morale captain or I dancer think, yeah, relations. Yeah, captain was yeah. the word I was looking for. Yeah, I think dancer relations, but I'm not a, I'm not a hundred percent sure. But I saw a bunch of pictures of him on stage, like doing dances and things like that, um, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of Wilson flavor at Penn State. I know in years past, I believe Steve Huber and Zach Gordard also participated. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I was a captain up there for uh, for Thon uh, over a decade ago now. Which yep. talk about making me feel old. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the Wilson Mini Thon again, great great event. Hopefully, you got to get up to the uh, the uh, community hours from mm-hmm. six to nine uh, last night, and uh, seems like everything went off without a hitch, and they did another great job. Uh, fundraising uh yeah i know money. they work i know the kids work really hard um not just like this weekend but kind of from the spring all the way through yeah. um it's almost it's, it's pretty much a year long commitment yeah and it's something that they really kind of take seriously and take to heart and it, it's it's awesome to see um see high school kids get really passionate about something and and work to work to make a difference in that thing that they are passionate about it, it's one thing uh, this isn't to make light of that. It's to kind of 
show how nice that is. Like I am very passionate about lots of things like sports that we sit here and talk about all the time. There is not as nearly as much that I do to have any kind of influence at all on any of those things. Like I can sit here and root for the Eagles or the, you know, Penn state or whoever we're going to talk about the Bulldogs or whatever. Nothing I do has any influence on how they are actually going to perform. These kids are passionate about finding, you know, cures to terrible diseases that are affecting kids all the time and they are being active and doing something about it. And that's pretty awesome. Yeah. If you're unfamiliar with THON and and the mini THON events that the high schools do, uh, THON's short for Pennsylvania State University's dance marathon. It's been going on for, for decades now. It's become a huge event. The, the Penn State event raises millions of dollars or in some cases over tens of millions of dollars uh, each year for the Four Diamonds Fund, which goes to fight or find the cure, you know, just spread awareness for pediatric cancer and pediatric cancer research. And Wilson's Mini-Thon is one of many now in the area that has grown. And I believe it's in, you know, just completed its sixth year and it gets bigger and better every year. And uh, kudos to everyone involved, especially uh, the student leaders and uh, the staff uh, involved in the event. It was a great, great event again. So already looking forward to next year. And, <laughs> and that that's what happened. You know, they, they take about a week off and they'll be starting to talk about, uh, you know, what are we going to well, do in 2020? I, I know in a few weeks they'll be talking about, kids will be talking in school about, like, what are they going to apply for to try and be, you know, um, captain of this or captain of that. Like, it won't be long till that's happening. Right. So. All right. So the last thing, Wilson, football related is upcoming milestones. We know, you know, it's, um, it's, well, actually just under six months from today is the first game. August 23rd is the game against Central Dolphin. And when Wilson kicks off the 2019 season, uh, defensive coordinator Ernie Wolber will be on a mission to get to his 200th win as a Wilson football assistant coach. He currently sits at 195. So he's just five wins away from well, getting to that 200 club. So his 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 200th win will also extend the streak of non-losing seasons then. Correct. Yes, it will. So, um, you know, Wilson will, is looking for, is it 56 now? Now all these numbers run. It might, it's 55 or 56. So. Uh-huh. Um, I won't know till you till till I tell you, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, that's how that's uh, how these things work. <laughs> so it, it's coming up. Uh, I I want to say fifty six, but I could be wrong about that. Sometimes numbers they play games and uh, math, math. You know who who <laughs> needs math? Um, so we're at fifty five. It was nineteen sixty four through twenty eighteen. Um, this past season of uh, non-losing so season, looking for 50. So started the first year that Gursky became the head coach and is current through now. So we're looking to get to 56. We're currently at 55. We're also currently at 43 consecutive winning seasons. So when coach Wolver gets to 201, we know that we're up to 44. I'm going to say, I, I know. Seasons. Yeah. And yeah, he's, he's not going to want to settle for that. <laughs> well, like you <laughs> said, fifth win. we said, let's get him to 210 this year. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 210. That's, that's the goal. Right? That would also get the Wilson program to 575. <laughs> that would also uh, be, uh, that'd be one heck of a year. 15 and 0. I'll, I'm, I'm, I'll take it. Hey, like, yeah. Why not? <laughs> why can't us, right? <laughs> <laughs> Bring it back. Throw it back. Let's talk about feeling old. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah. Well, all these kids were too young. <laughs> way too, way too young to remember any of that yeah. junk. Yeah. Maybe the Phillies will be good this year, though. They are going to be good this year. Did Bryce Harper sign yet? 
Tuesday, my friend. Tuesday. Tuesday. Okay. What well, if he doesn't hopefully sign he'll sign before a couple months when we do our next episode of this. <laughs> right, yeah. So the next episode of the Bulldog Hour will be in two months, the end of April. April 28th is the schedule for I that. I hope Bryce Harper is signed by then. <laughs> we'll have more info and updates on the Bulldogs football program. Um, but I think that pretty much it's anything else to say from you, Justin? No. <laughs> Make sure you like Wilson Bulldogs and the Bulldog Hour fan pages on Facebook and follow the accounts on Twitter at Wilson Bulldogs and at Bulldog Hour. We're also on Instagram. You can follow Justin and myself on Twitter at Coach Joe Mays or at Mr. Underscore Rathoff. And obviously we'll continue to bring you uh, updates and photos and videos of everything related to the Wilson football program. Um, but we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Bulldog Hour for Justin Rathoff and the Wilson football program. I'm Joe Mays, and remember, go, go Bulldogs. Bulldogs. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bulldog Hour. Want more Wilson football? Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud, or visit www.bulldoghour.com. The Bulldog Hour is a feature program on jmnjrradio.com.